Ow! I hurt my hand when I did that one. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into <laughs> our favorite games and discuss what we learned from them and just why we like them. Um, I'm going to just power through this. Uh, for those of you coming here for the first time, this is episode 38, and uh, it's April 9th, 2019. My name is Chase Strongberg. I really did just injure myself. And um, oh. I'm here with <clears throat> Stu Gritter. Stu Gritter. Hi, Stu. How are you? Uh, relatively unharmed by the sound of it. Uh, okay, how, are, so how are you? I've got, I've got some explaining to do. So um, I'd say about two months ago, I was getting uh, a porcelain jar down uh, to give a little treat to my dog. And... Um, it has some cracks and stuff on it, and a sliver went right into my hand, and I couldn't get the damn thing out. Um, it was one of those slivers that every time you go for it, it just goes deeper and deeper. Um, so what I have done, um, I have done numerous things, including digging and all kinds of uh, inappropriate stuff to my hand. Yeah. Um, so what I recently did is I was like, you know what? What I need is to just slough off this skin like just find a way for it to just fall off and then maybe the sliver will come with it because it's like in the fleshy part of yeah. the hand like in the pad yeah of the uh of the palm so um <laughs> we've got uh we've got like the the wart removers that you use on on if you get like a wart on your foot and stuff so the um the uh the the freezy stuff and then the acid so i hit it with that today <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and I'm just I'm just waiting for the skin to just fall away and then I will pull the piece of porcelain out of my skin that has been there for two months. Except you um, just clapped your hands really hard and yeah. slammed it another quarter inch into your body. <laughs> yeah, so I might have to do a little bit more work to get it out. But yeah, I literally just clapped on the spot where everything is. Um, so Nice. Hey. If, so just, you know, to provide a little bit of... of you know, maybe education for you. I once had the as the steel tip of a jackhammer bit driven into my neck, like it mm, broke off. Okay. And it was well, so it was. Glad you're still here, by the way. It was in my in my chin for pro- oh. probably like four or five months or something like that before okay. it actually came out. Mm-hmm. And it's just your body does see like this is a weird foreign object and pushes it out, but because it's not as soft as wood or necessarily as small. Yeah. It takes a little while. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will keep that in mind. I am definitely trying to expedite the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hey, everybody uh, who isn't us, <laughs> who is coming here for the first time, um, let's let's just dive into the mission statement. The purpose of this podcast is not to talk about slivers and stupid things that you do to yourself to try and get them out. Um, it's about... <laughs> Uh, the games that we play, what we can learn from them, and just why we like them. So what Stu and I like to do is we like to uh, pick a game each episode and just sort of deep dive into how we felt about playing it, why we felt the way we did about playing it, um, how we learned how to play it, because sometimes that's relevant, sometimes it isn't, um, but also like just sort of weird skills and stuff that we we picked up while we were playing. Um, So sometimes that shows up in the form of literacy so like actually reading if it's a jrpg or um yeah i learned how to read through jrpgs um or um which also explains a lot of issues with spelling because they were localized poorly at the time um 
also uh, stuff like geography, but there's also socioeconomic stuff. So um, like engaging with internet for the first time or the social dynamics of playing Magic the Gathering um, or even just talking about uh, a tabletop tabletop uh, RPGs, um, which we might talk about a little bit later. Who knows? Um, so yeah, that's that's what we're doing here. If that is something you're interested in, uh, also if you're interested in stories about slivers, we've got one in there now. So <laughs> yeah, a little bit of something for everyone. Yeah, a little bit of something for everyone. So uh, yeah, that's what I got. Um, so Stu, we are about to jump into the meat of the show, but before we do, was there anything you wanted to talk about off the top? Uh, not 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 off the the tippity top. No. Okay. Okay, cool. So we are going to shift into the next part of the show, which is what we learned this month. And I can confidently say this month because it's been about a month. Um, so this is the segment of the show where we discuss things we learned about gaming this month. Uh, Stu, you and I love tech and we love gaming. So uh, if you, the audience listeners, ever want us to discuss an article, feel free to send it to us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That didn't happen this week, so we have a couple of articles to discuss ourselves. Articles or, in in, in my case, I guess it'll be um, it'll be a, uh, a video um, do you want me to go first or do you have anything for yourself? Um, uh, I guess the, uh, I, the only thing I was really going to bring up was the hilarity around Bioware and Anthem. Okay. And now I'm going to say that's not funny. <laughs> I'm going to say that it's actually kind of sad, but oh, yeah, we oh, can, it, we can, we can jump into that if you want. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially a bunch of articles about, you know, casting a little bit of light about the darker side of, of crunch and developer hell. Uh, yeah. And um, Jason Schreier's article specifically from Kotaku, uh, yeah, the, the long, the long one yeah. um, is a very clear picture of what the, uh, the culture was like in that organization. Yeah. And also what happens when you don't have like somebody on top making decisions. Right. Um, yeah. Like, I'm not saying that that was the only problem with development, but the fact that things didn't actually start moving and shaking and take shape until 17 months prior to launch. Yeah. Um, like, there was a bunch of experimentation going on, but uh, nobody was forcing those big decisions until 17 months before the game was supposed to be out is crazy, especially when you consider what we got. Um, th- the fact that we got what we got and it worked, um, arguably, uh, <laughs> is uh, is a very, very big deal. Yeah, um, and some of that just, some of that article and the the repercussions of that are just around like that's why Anthem feels like a smaller, less less, like less of a game than it than people were expecting. But yeah. everything else about that article that you know dealt with the stress that people were under and you know having you know having to carry more more of a burden than perhaps they should have had to. Uh, that like all of that stuff was that stuff that we've seen before and especially like anyone who has been focused on development for any period of time like like it's just a well-known thing in the game industry it's unfortunate but it's way more common than it should be yeah it's Um, it's prevalent within the industry and it's not it's not a new story unfortunately it's just the story of why anthem is the way it is 
the the reason why I I described it as hilarity was because the specific <laughs> event that I had in mind was that uh. Bioware didn't actually well my understanding is that Bioware wasn't didn't actually indicate to EA that they were gonna tease uh, Dragon Age Four, so I think. Bioware was worried about being axed by EA because this is what EA does. They push people to make, you know, to rush games out and they end up underdeveloped and then EA cuts the department. Yeah. So in fear of that happening, Bioware was like, oh, by the way, people, uh, we're making Dragon Age 4, really, really. And now EA is like, now if they cut Bioware, everyone will hate them even more. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, because Inquisition was actually such a big success um although unfortunately the last two bioware uh games i'm not going to say they weren't successes but they definitely were not uh endorsed <laughs> well when they're um, in, when they're internal emails saying things like dear god don't make it memeable yeah yeah <laughs> um uh, so yeah yeah uh um, there's there's some when okay, okay when I read a number of those articles, but specifically Jason Schreier's, um, uh, my initial takeaway was man, like working for EA sucks, but that was only like the first part of the article, and and it sort of colored my opinion. Like the the rest of it was there were some serious, like some serious systematic failures that occurred within that yeah. uh, Bioware itself. Yeah. Um, and and that's important to note too. Like it wasn't just because EA like there were things that just weren't working in that company um that that should have been addressed a lot sooner um but uh that said um if you want to swing into a question of quantity over quality <laughs> yeah yeah i i found this i don't remember how i stumbled onto it but uh oh wow there was a, <laughs> there was a talk at GDC this year I mean, a lot of the GDC videos are are fascinating. I I I haven't yet this year. Usually, I scrub through them all and, and um, just pull out the titles and topics that I think would be interesting to me. And and this particular session was called uh, "Fifteen Hundred Slot Machines Walk Into a Bar: Adventures in Quantity Over Quality." Uh, it was put on by Alex Schwartz and Zbibis Scott, and it's. It's so worth listening to. I'm going to let Chase talk about it. I showed it to him, and he he watched it, I believe. Oh, yeah. I and love it. I love it's, this it's video more, so it's, much. Yeah, it's more relevant to his interests. I just I was howling with laughter through most of it. Yeah, it's... Um, okay, so the, the main crux of this video is um, two, uh, two mobile developers and designers... Um, got really frustrated uh they created games that they cared about with intent so they 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 set them themselves goals they created uh these sort of passion projects and they put them out there into the world and they underperformed uh unfortunately they really underperformed and so feeling bitter um and kind of bummed out the two of them at the time were in a position where they were near each other and they decided to collaborate on um a project in which they had to, um, I, what was the term? Um, exert the least amount of effort possible and create the, the worst, well, I mean, it's still a playable game, but like, uh, 
the lowest quality game you could imagine. So um, what they did is they started making slot machine games. Um, but they didn't want to actually make them over and over again. So they just made a single template in Unity. And then what they would do is uh, they, they found some art assets. I think they bought a pack of art assets for uh, they, art they, and sound assets for, what, 15 bucks? They, they bought a slot machine game for 15 oh. bucks. Oh, right. They bought the, <laughs> Yeah, so they bought the whole thing, comes with the sounds, everything. Um, and then, uh, all they needed was, um, all they needed was images for the background, I believe. So they would re, they would reskin, uh, images and also the items that, that rotated through the slot machine. Um, so they made a few, I think they made like 15 and then, um, one of them decided, well, why don't we just automate this process? Um, by, by the way, they were publishing these, right? So they were publishing them on, uh, on I believe Google Play and maybe the App Store um, for a little while. I don't know if the App Store got wise and shut them down, but they continued to publish on Google Play for a very long time. And eventually, what they did is they they uh, one of them was just like, you know what, we're spending too much time doing this. Uh, let's make a machine to do it. <laughs> so they they took a shitty laptop. Uh, they didn't spend any money on this. They they took a shitty laptop. Uh, they set it up and they started getting it to run, and they automated almost everything. Um, and the, the depths to which, uh, they ensure that they don't have to put any effort in is actually staggering. Uh, they, they, uh, and that's the whole point of the talk and what is most alarming to both them and, uh, any of the listeners is they were making money. They weren't just making money. They made, they made an okay amount of money for the amount of effort they put in. Um, and definitely like when I say making money, um, that's after the costs of production because that is what they were thinking about. They're thinking like, how can we, how can we produce something that will actually make money, um, with the least amount of effort possible? And it was just an experiment. They didn't do it with ill will. And they actually go into detail and explain all that at the end of the video. Um, like it was just, they were bummed. And they really wanted to get an understanding of the mobile ecosystem and exactly what the fuck is like just going on there because um, it, it kind of is a mystery. Like, why do people like the things that they like? And they actually started isolating um, stuff like that. Uh, their, their naming conventions initially, they would just come up with the names and create uh, <laughs> like create um, slot games just just based on the concept of a name. Um, what was their favorite? I think it was the horned owl. Um, like the inexperienced horned owl, yeah. something, something. Yeah. yeah. Free and experienced horn or 3d inexperienced horned owl free, free slots. <laughs> yeah. Just magnificent. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they eventually ended up producing, I think it was approximately 1,500 slot machines um over the course of what was it three to five years uh, or was it yeah it something like that smaller um but like whenever things got tough and people started pushing back or sending emails or had concerns they would just walk away from it and let it keep running and that was the craziest parts of that story is they did that twice and when they came back stuff was fine if not flourishing and they were still making money <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it was just nuts. Um, 
but yeah, uh, we will put a link to that in the show notes. Anybody who's interested, definitely check it out. Um, the really big emphasis there is uh, reskin culture in mobile gaming. Not a lot of people, um, specifically my age, are as into mobile gaming. Like a lot of us came up uh, just playing on the computer or playing on the console. Um, and what this... It, it, it's weird because it, it is a market that there is a lot of promise and people are trying to make, uh, air quotes, premium games that people will engage with, um, that are like a a nice experience. And the one thing that I think this should really strike home is that you don't have to try so hard. Um, I'm not (laughs) saying that you should make a bunch of really, really shitty games, but, like, there are some levels of polish that maybe don't need to be in a mobile game because people don't care. If it's something that they're interested in, they're going to gravitate towards it yeah. and they will engage with it um, because people like dolphins or people like the things that they like. So they're just going to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, on top of all the other stuff that you would take away from watching this video. It's an yeah. hour long. That's that's a bit long, but it's actually not hard to get through. Like it's uh yeah, it's yeah. pretty enjoyable to watch. Uh, like most of those those styles of videos, you can watch it back at like one and a half speed or double speed. Just the fastest speed you can still understand people's voices <laughs> and uh yeah, it's it's definitely <laughs> worth it. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm just going to like break it down for you right now. Like I cannot do that. Really? I don't know what it is what it is about me, but I don't like speeding stuff up. Oh. I just like seeing people at their regular speed. As well, as soon as there's a slow talker, I'm like, "Nope. Faster, 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 faster." It's it's just oh, like I don't I don't have time to slow down my consumption. I got I, got, I don't know. I, I, got I, shit I like to, to take, do. I like <laughs> to take things in, you know? I like to take my time, mull over it for a bit. Um may have mm. resulted in some unusual <laughs> metrics yeah. when <laughs> in my IQ test um <laughs> but uh yeah so there's that uh Stu, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about um uh, no no that's it that's, <laughs> okay yeah. cool cool oh mm. Oh, I'm drinking an old beer, and it is not good. Oh, oh boy. But That's it good. was better than going upstairs and getting a glass of water. So <laughs> we are going to move on to the next section of the show once I open up the notes. Okay. So the next section of the show, because I don't have anything else to talk about right now either, right. is um, what we learn from gaming. Uh, so this is the part of the show where we choose games that we want to talk about, and... Um, what exactly we learn from them? So, Stu, do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first? Um, I think you get to go first today. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Taking hmm. a chance. <clears throat> okay. Um, well, you know what? Actually, this is. I guess this is a great episode for it. So, um, the game I'm going to cover today is a game um, that uh, it's relatively new. Um, a lot of people have played it or experienced it and have... Um, polarizing feelings about it Excellent. so the game i'm going to talk about today is anthem <laughs> it's, it's uh it's designed by bioware and published by ea uh so it was published in 2019 um it's a third person schluter uh with the emphasis mm. on loot in terms of core mechanics uh you climb into a suit of powered armor well there there are two 
two parts to the game. One of them is walking around town talking to people in first person, and the second is uh, outfitting your your um, powered armor, going out into the world and performing missions. Uh, there's also a free freestyle mode, but uh, the emphasis is on um, fighting enemies, uh, killing them, and uh, collecting loot. And using that loot to make all of your equipment better over time. Um, this is very much in the vein of games like Diablo. And actually some of those articles we were discussing, they literally reference that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's I, funny, they were not allowed to reference games like Destiny, which is the one of the, the best closest, performing... Yeah. Third per, or one of the best performing Schluter models out there right now. Um but we will see where Anthem ends up. They also never mentioned Warframe, which I found very interesting. Yeah, no one talked, no one about, talked about it at all. Which um, is whereas yeah. it is literally like the the one that is continuing to perform consistently. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, it's it's sort of a, uh, a future setting on a very hostile world. Um, where the story doesn't make a lot of sense, but maybe it will over time. Who knows? Um, but really, it's just like the, the appeal of this game is climbing into this powered armor and feeling like Iron Man with magic, um, because that's kind of what some of the abilities end up feeling like, depending on what suit you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, each suit does play distinctly different and does have a different feel to it. A good example is there is a Colossus suit, which is the largest suit of armor. Um, it doesn't get a naturally occurring uh, energy shield. Instead, it gets a physical shield that you can just um, smash out of your arm. Um, very, very different playstyle from any of the other um, any of the other armor types. Um, so, you know what? Maybe we'll go into some of the pros. Um, I think uh, Fred Rojas said it best and that this is one of the most beautiful games he has played in a long time. And this isn't something that you will hit or even notice unless you have the appropriate equipment. Um, and uh, preferably you're playing on a computer, uh, because you can, you can dial the, uh, the graphics all the way up and you can actually get the type of performance that people were seeing, um, in some of the, some of the, uh, mocked up uh trailers yeah um yeah and yeah he he said some very very nice stuff about this game the the time that he spent with it uh he he claims that he enjoyed it and i don't think that he would be upset with me uh you using that information publicly um just like you know it's not exactly his type of game but um the time he did spend with it he he enjoyed it yeah and i think um if we can actually talk about cons of this game if you are someone who has the time to throw 60, 70 hours into a game first week of launch. Um, number one, 100%, you're going to hit all the bugs that are still in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, you are going to find them. Yeah. Um, and number two, based on everything that we now know of the development cycle, yeah, you are going to hit the end of the game very quick, and there is going to be a lot at the end. Yeah. Um, the way, and here here is where I want to get into what I learned about this game, and, and it's actually kind of something that I learned about myself. Um, the way that my life functions and the way that I'm able to engage with this game, 
I am able to actually play it consistently without bugs um, and enjoy the experience. Even with like uh, some people were criticizing there's this uh, this quest wall that you hit where you have to perform a, a bunch of different <laughs> the repeated, um, actions. Yeah. The thing was, like, I took my time. I really sort of enjoyed myself. I uh, drove into or I dove into a bunch of side quests and did a bunch of that stuff. I played a bunch of free play. So when I got to that point, those weren't barriers. Yeah. They were already done. Yeah. Um, so I just slipped right past it and it wasn't infuriating and it didn't feel like work. So there is a way to enjoy this game. And this is something that I've learned is like, and this shouldn't be news to anyone. Like the experience of gaming is going to be different for so many people, but for whatever reason in 2019, um, it's a polarizing thing that also results in outrage. Um, (laughs) And a bunch of like nail gnashing and uh, exploding Twitter. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that it, it was one of the reasons that it was very easy for me to just not look at Twitter for, for weeks because <laughs> I actually enjoy playing this game. It feels good. Yeah. Uh, the, when you, yeah, when the, you get into the combat, when you, when you play and use those special abilities, like it feels good. The core gameplay loop is like the combat in it is fun is like yeah. a lot of fun. And as long as you aren't doing it for 6 to 7 hours a day, um Stays you're fun. not going to get tired of it. Yeah, it it is it isn't going to get stale. Yeah. Like if it does get stale, I just go back to Monster Hunter World or something else cuz there are so many great games that I can just go and play. Yeah. Um but I do enjoy coming back to Anthem because it's an experience I can't get anywhere else. Um the the way that it feels to play that game is still so distinct. And nobody has been able to emulate it. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that, again, nobody's really talking about it, but there is stuff that is in Warframe that comes close. Um, there's like the, the jetpack sort of space fighting stuff that goes on in Warframe. Yeah. That is sort of close, but that's kind of a stretch. But yeah. most other stuff doesn't really hit it yet. So, and I think that like people will learn lessons from the way that uh, that this game feels. And we will see a new generation of this type of game that will will hopefully nail it. So, yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah, um, hopefully. So yeah, th- I mean, there. I, I was gonna say like I'm I'm able to play with my brother. It's not hard to do it. Mm-hmm. Like some people were criticizing the the menus. It's like, well, if you're having trouble getting into a game with your friends try playing monster hunter world multiplayer because that is a fucking nightmare um (laughs) like figuring out how to actually get together for the first time you have to actually appear in the same instance you need to be able to see each other you need to trade a card like you're a fucking japanese businessman like (laughs) like there's all this stuff that has to happen and it's just like the antiquated uh systems that that uh, Japanese developers still use even to this day yeah. for multiplayer stemming all the way back to games like Final Fantasy, um, Final Fantasy 11. Um, it's just, it's weird, but like people put up with a lot of shit for that game because it's a solid gameplay loop and there was so much of the game there, right? Like yeah. I feel, I feel like if it hadn't taken the last 17 months 
to just get the game to function and perform. And if the six years that it took to develop at least three of those were actually dedicated to designing the back end of the game, like it would be amazing. And by back end, I don't mean like the, the functionality. I mean like the, the actual content. Yeah. Um, it, it would probably be like a stellar game. And as long as it continues to get support like uh, Destiny, I expect it will continue to grow. But that's really a question of what EA is going to do. If EA just pulls the plug, then, I mean, Anthem is what Anthem is right now. But if EA lets funds continue to go towards it, depending on how uh, player engagement is looking, um, then we might actually see a very different game. We might be talking about Anthem again in a couple years. It might be a totally different beast, yeah. And that's the unfortunate thing is that some of these projects, well, like, it's similar to, like, how when WoW launched, it was a hot mess. And it took a long time of just pouring money into that game, into that system, before it was, you know, making anybody any money, before it was really enough fun for most people. Like, when it launched, it wasn't enjoyable, it wasn't approachable, it was... (laughs) It wasn't on. <laughs> uh, well, and okay. Now here, here, here's the thing. Um, I would argue, from my perspective, like so, uh, we're we're talking like Star Ride, twenty twenty one year old, uh, playing WoW for the first time. Um, maybe I was twenty two. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyways, um, I had grown up with Warcraft. I loved the lore, so I dealt with the bullshit. Because I was all in for that story. Yeah. Right? Like, but, but WoW, like, they, Blizzard would not consider launch WoW a success. Um, Five years no. later, yes, it was. But, oh, like, my God, they, yeah. like, it just, and that's how EA is bound to be looking at Anthem at this point, where on launch, frankly, no, not really a success. But it depends whether or not they believe in that game or whoever has creative control right now. Because, I don't know who's actually in charge of the next six months of content that they're supposed to be making or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Do they think that Um, that's going to turn it around? Are they willing to pour money into that? Yeah. uh, It's an excellent test of their, their, all of their bullshit about gaming as a service, right? If they're, (laughs) if they're, if they're talking about charging people 15 bucks a month to play any EA game, then this is going to be one of their bigger draws, right? Yeah, and well, like if if we can if we can uh, be candid about it, like 2019 has been a rough year for AAA. Um, between what Activision and EA have done in in the last uh, in the last few months, like realizations of the work conditions that were going on at Rockstar when um, well Red Dead launched um, it launched before 2000. 19 but like those stories uh bled right into 2019 oh yeah yeah um and it's just sort of like establishing a trend like it it's suddenly just shining a light on something that was always there but nobody was really paying attention to it um but like activision blizzard activision literally gutted blizzard right um depending on which departments you're working on like if if you're working on overwatch you probably still have a job if you're working on wow you're probably looking for another job somewhere else if you haven't found it yet and i hope you didn't go to ea because they eliminated (laughs) 600 jobs um so uh Yeah. yeah 
it's just uh, it's been one of those years. Even SquareSoft uh, was having a rough year. I think the only the I keep I keep bringing this up, but the only company that seems to really be knocking it out of the park, and they had to learn some very very hard lessons. And uh, I would say that maybe they're still making same some of the same mistakes as Capcom. Capcom is doing some incredible work, is continuing to produce some very quality titles. Or reproduce their old titles in the in the case of uh, Resident Evil 2, the remake. Um, but I hear that Devil May Cry, the newest Devil May Cry, is incredible. I can attest that uh, Monster Hunter World is great. Uh, they're taking the time to curate and re-release all kinds of old content that people are just buying up because now they can play it on HD. Like, um, that's that's a company that seems to be figuring things out. Although they may also post record sales and then lay off 800 people. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> I don't know. That's a normal thing for so many reasons, though. Yeah. It's un- um, unfortunate, but it's... But they're they're having more success than yeah. Uh, yeah. than most of the other AAAs right now. Yeah. Um, like, I don't even know if you could say that uh, the Red Dead was a success. 100% it sold well, but are people still playing it? I guess some people are still playing the multiplayer content. I think, yeah, I I don't think it struck the same way GTA would five or six. I don't know which bloody one it is. Um, GTA has always had a this five. Weird, five was five huge, was the big one. Huge. Yeah, and and it like, also it got rolled out with online content as well. Yeah, and people clung to it, and I I I don't know if I don't think Red Dead had the same kind of online appeal. I think GTA knew that it couldn't really take itself super seriously. And Red <laughs> Dead kind of tried to. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you so, know, horseball yeah. shrink, right? Yeah, it, didn't, it just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, and I guess we'll see because you never know. Again, the, the, and this is another one of those sort of games as a service thing. Um, they have more than enough money to throw throw at uh, the online content until it really takes off yeah. if it does take off. Yeah. Um, I haven't, I guess, I guess I haven't really been paying attention, but I don't know if there's, there was a bunch of DLC for GTA five. I don't know if there's been any DLC for red dead two. I, I don't think any's come out yet, but again, okay. it like it launched very what, recently, half a year like ago, late, maybe? late December, no, oh, okay. late December, maybe. Oh, okay. uh, not even half a year yet. So third um, of a year. Um, it was December or November, but yeah, um, like, well, yeah, I guess we're getting there cause now we're in April. Um, mm-hmm. oh, time flies. Uh, so getting back to Anthem, um, if, I guess if I just want to tidy things up, cause there's not a lot that I can say like the, the, the gameplay, um, it does get a little slow. I feel like they could differentiate or even introduce, um, more, more enemies, like just really build out those biomes because the map is potentially huge yeah. and there's just not a lot there right now. Um, the stuff that's there is all the stuff that you've seen already. So uh, that is a fair critique to level at this game, but fighting that stuff isn't bad. Like it feels good. So um, yeah. And, and it is also one of those games where if you really want to challenge yourself, you just up the difficulty and and that's kind of the way the the game's supposed to be played. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, again, 
uh, yeah, there so many weird lessons coming out of 2019 because an- another another issue that's coming up is um, the the From Software game, the newest one, the I think Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, Sekiro. Um, yeah, like people are complaining about how hard it is, but it's <laughs> yeah, like it's a From Software game. Yeah. Which like they're notorious for being hard. Like it's it's just a different flavor of monster hunter yeah um with better controls and people are complaining like yeah <laughs> like um yeah it's just it's weird it, it i don't know what is going on this year um uh, yeah yeah but, it's bizarre uh, i mean i i don't know if some of that came from recently a bunch of games have been coming out that had uh that have a story mode difficulty so you have your easy, medium, hard, and also story, which is meant to be like you you don't bad guys might not even be there, so you could just walk through and do whatever, or like you have so much health and armor and do so much damage that there there is no skill challenge just right. to let people go through the game. Yeah, but easy mode. Yeah, <laughs> easy I, mode unlocked for anybody. Yeah, like putting a yeah. trainer in the in the main menu, basically. But I I yeah. don't know. I I always I I love Dar O'Brien and his little he's got a bit on games as being the on, the only medium that you can't you can't consume if you're not good enough. Yeah. And I I, I don't know, there's something about that that I enjoy too. Okay. Uh elitist of you, but okay. It's it, it, <laughs> kidding, it is. Well, well, I mean, arguably it is, but it's like when you read a book, I can passively consume a book and you know, it doesn't the chapters aren't locked until I get nine out of ten on a pop quiz of what it's the important things to take away from that chapter, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. I don't know. It's more active consumption. I I don't know. Watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, yeah. Um, um, yeah, man. So cool. Uh, mm-hmm. What did I learn from? from anthem i guess that i'm a little more patient with <laughs> with <laughs> games that i i, I kind of like the feeling of than um than the vast majority of the folks on twitter and <laughs> and game critics right now um but otherwise uh it i don't know it was just it was something new and refreshing i was really excited yeah. for it and when it came out uh like for me it delivered like it was still a fun game i'm still really enjoying it um also full disclosure like i didn't pay for it right like somebody bought it for me mm-hmm. so that may have a different feeling to it than somebody who paid 60 bucks um but from where i'm sitting i don't mind it uh, like and i it's one of those games that i want to get back to playing because i actually want to get to the end game even though i i already know what it is because so many people complained about it they spoiled it <laughs> yeah um and it's also predictable there was yeah, i was yeah, i was yeah. playing i was playing the game and i was playing it with my brother and this like the big plot twist um happens and i didn't know it yet but as i'm playing the game i'm like oh this this uh this motherfucker is gonna do this and um my brother's like oh so uh that's already been spoiled for you eh and i'm like mm, it has now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and then it happened right yeah. and then that the thing that i guessed happened happened and i'm like yeah i've played too many video games yeah. also gets get maybe a little little more effort into the Better writing writers. 
Yeah. Um, which is easy to say. Um, yes. Easy for us to say. Yes. Because, you know, making games is easy, right, Stu? Absolutely. Um, oh, that okay. That's another thing. That is a big, big takeaway <laughs> from Anthem and something that a lot of folks, I guess, especially like armchair designers, guys who just are just like, well, you know, if it was me, I would have done this, this, and this. Making games is hard. Um, Turns out. Yeah. Uh, it's not an easy <laughs> thing. Um, and this is not new. Like, I am echoing what other people have said many, many times before. But, like, Anthem should be a lesson that there are so many things that can work against you to fuck a game up, even if you have six years of development and a really sort of fun, awesome idea to start. Um, There are so many things that can taint and fuck that dream. Yeah. Um, Especially in a AAA where there, there are so many teams, there is so much bureaucracy, they're, they're just... It's one of the things that people really liked about the older, like the 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 good old days of game dev. When you were on a smaller team, it was still a lot of work, but like you you were working, like within shouting distance of everybody involved. So you yeah. you had a closer tie to everyone doing the art, everyone doing the sound, everyone doing level design or character creation or the controls or the AI or whatever. Uh, and it's like it's so not like that when in in a triple a scenario yeah 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 when like one team's in texas and the other team is in winnipeg Mm -hmm. right so and there's still uh, no leader to go and you know make them cooperate (laughs) properly it it just happens right like you get that diffusion of responsibility and everything starts to just fall through the cracks yep um yeah so you know what i think that's really all i gotta say uh if you've got two cents feel three to or feel free to throw it in, but I don't think you even engaged with the game, did you? I think you tried and you couldn't get into the demo and you're just like, I'm good. Oh, uh, no, the demo worked. The retail oh, okay. version did not. Oh, right, so you returned so it. So I, I refunded, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's fair. Um, um, yeah. I remember, yeah, I was surprised when you told me that because, uh, like, Fred had such a a good time with it. Yeah, um, and it, it did, I I was going to mention the, uh, yeah, the core the core gameplay was enjoyable. Yeah, uh, it did look good. I will say there are a couple other games that I'd played recently that also. Um, Project Solus was a game that, in my mind, had uh, a similar visual appeal to me. Okay, cool. The Solus Project, I think it is. S O L U S. It's like a neat little exploratory, very pretty exploring a, a different world kind of thing. Um, cool. Yeah, but maybe they should have just made slots. <laughs> I think BioWare should have just made slots <laughs> for the last six years. That's that's a valid argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm uh, sorry, BioWare. Like, I'm enjoying the games. Any developers, if you're listening, thank you. Also, yeah. um, but uh, yeah. but like, goddamn, like I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, I would, and I, I actually I. The other thing I will say is I was a little bit surprised by some of the dialogue because Bioware's dialogue is usually really tight. Yeah, I guess it's sort of the question of who was actually on it, right? Like, what? because there's also been a lot of exits or rotations of teams. Yeah. So, well, they also said that a lot of the design changed after things were recorded, and they weren't given more money to re-record lines. So, some of it just doesn't quite fit. 
Yeah. Um, um, which well, is re- uh, unfortunate. The concept of the game was basically forced, <laughs> right? Mm. Anthem was was a name change. What was it? Twenty four forty eight hours before the gameplay trailer they that they initially released. Yeah. Like it's yeah, it's bananas, bananas. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. What game are you covering today? <laughs> well, um, I'm gonna reach back a little bit. Uh, this is a ga- I'm gonna talk about a game that I really enjoy. I really like it. Uh, I still, from time to time, fire it up, and uh, it did it did a lot of interesting things. And it's, I'm trying to like figure out exactly what I pulled out of it, but I'm gonna talk about System Shock Two. Okay, yeah, great. So you you like that game more than I do, but that's because I didn't play it in its heyday. Well, neither did I, but we'll deal with that. Oh, interesting, so. interesting. Uh, yeah, so System Shock 2 was a PC game released in 1999. It was made with the the Dark Engine, which is the same engine that was used for like Thief and Thief 2. And uh, I never actually played System Shock 1 before playing System Shock 2. Uh, I guess there's a little bit of a plot drive there, but uh, it didn't didn't impact my engagement with the game i don't think so in system shock 2 you're kind of a a cyborgy kind of human it's a first person shooter and you're set on a starship a spaceship Mm -hmm. and it's you're very uh very secluded it's a very atmospheric game Uh, you're very much alone through most of the game and uh, they 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 use a lot of different things to build up the atmosphere. So at the very beginning of the game, you choose one of three different classes and you kind of go through uh, training sessions and schools kind of things to build up your character because it, it sort of has some RPG elements. So there there's are skills involved with shooting with a bunch of different the guns. Uh, there's hacking because it's a space thing and there's computers everywhere so you can hack them. Uh, and there are psionics, so you get psychic abilities too. And you can kind of branch into any of those that you want. That gives a little bit of replayability to the game as well, but eh, it's kind of... Um, there. It definitely wasn't perfectly balanced, but that's fine. Uh, you're going through the ship alone because you kind of... You wake up in a cryopod and something terrible's happened, everybody's dead. Because why not? You know, you're on a spaceship all alone. Might as well be a bunch of dead people. And some of them are zombies, and that's good, because zombies are fun. Uh, Robots are trying to kill you. That's also good. There are turrets and all kinds of things, and and psychic monkeys, because every spaceship needs psychic monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and the, the ship itself is always kind of the same. There are no random levels or anything like that. But once you clear out an area, if you leave and come back, some enemies will respawn. So it uh, it keeps... Uh, the, the respawns are random as well. So it kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit. There's not enough ammo in this game for, the, for most people. It's like you, you really have to scavenge for supplies to survive. They're just... Like, it's really difficult. From the get-go, if you just use your, like, whatever guns you have and use up all your ammo, 
you will find very quickly that you just you just you'll hit walls you'll have a really hard time progressing you'll have to start sneaking around people uh, which can be hard because uh, in spaceships hallways are very narrow <laughs> so if there's somebody in a hallway you can't really just like slip past them uh, so you have to be really strategic you have to make very careful decisions about the resources that you use whether it's health or your psychic points or your ammo uh, the story is told largely through audio logs. This is where the um, stuff like Bioshock and Prey uh, talk about System Shock being the the spiritual predecessor. And System Shock did a lot of audio log stuff. It was really, really interesting. So there are 101 little baby stories of, you know, people's last moments or their last struggles or, you know, you piecing together what had actually happened on the ship through these audio logs. Uh, and you also, there is one character who speaks to you through kind of like a, a, a radio, basically, um, who's trying to guide you and, and help you survive. Um, of course, that, that person is a dirty, filthy liar, because why not? <laughs> yep. Um, Spoiler. Well, yeah, dude, 1999. Yeah, I know. Shodan is, I don't know, really one of the better twists out of writing. It was surprising at the time. I don't know if now it might be a little bit more transparent. But, yeah, I speak most praise to the atmosphere that it builds. It's very much uh, a, it's more than just the sum of its parts in that sense the being alone the not having enough ammunition uh, the baddies being randomly respawning you never really feel safe you never feel in control of the situation or on top of everything it's just always always just a little bit tense and a little bit creepy and a little bit scary and you're alone through all of it. It's, I don't know, the atmosphere is really, really solid. <clears throat> uh, some of the, there, there's not really much in the way of puzzles through the game. Uh, there are some kind of like secrety areas that you can find that, you know, you might have to search around to find some audio logs or get key codes to different places. But I mean, it's, you have your objectives and you have, maps in game of the of the ship so you have enough direction to kind of at least progress toward the right direction uh, even if it is fraught with danger and creepy people and psychic monkeys at all times so the game didn't age super duper well i don't think i think they reskinned it the modding community actually did a lot to bring textures up to higher resolution. Uh, they re redid some of the audio packs, I think, to make it uh, sound a little bit better. Um, they reintroduced co-op, which was really, really good. Uh, it's a fun game to go through co-op. I think if it's your first run through the game, it's, again, because a big part of the game is that seclusion, uh, that aloneness element of the atmosphere. I think... It's more, you'll get more from the game playing it single player. 
I don't know if it's necessarily more enjoyable single player. Like, it's still just fun to do co-op stuff. But uh, I don't know if it's... At that point, that's more the person you're playing with rather than the game itself. But that's okay, too. Um, you definitely get to learn a little bit about making those tight decisions around resources. Um, kind of having to choose between uh, which of your tools you're going to use at any point in time. That's probably one of the bigger things to pull out of the game. So you can learn the ship and you can kind of learn, uh, like you, you'll inevitably learn the layout of the ship as you're playing through it. Uh, you'll kind of learn each of the enemy's strengths and weaknesses, but I, I don't think other of those necessarily are exclusive to this kind of game. Uh, but mm. because of the lack of resources that you have, I think that that is that's a unique thing that's presented in System Shock. Uh, the the so-called spiritual successors of Bioshock and Prey don't really get that right. I think that's one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, divergences from this uh, from System Shock Two. Like Bioshock, uh, a lot of people said that Prey was more spiritual of a successor than Bioshock was, uh, just because it was a little bit. It was less action-y, it was a little bit creepier, a little bit spoopier, a little bit... I don't know, I don't know if not... Like, Bioshock made you feel super powerful. Uh, System Shock 2, you always feel like you're about to die, and it's terrifying. And Prey is kind of a middle ground there. Like, you feel pretty powerful, but all the baddies in the game are really dangerous too, so you never... I don't know if you you feel in control as much as you do in Bioshock. But I think th those two might be the the closest similar games. Hmm. Yeah, because... Mm, I was going to say, like, Bi yeah, Bioshock, compared to System Shock 2, um, I don't know, Bioshock just goes in a very... Like uh, both thematic and aesthetically different direction. Yeah, right. Yeah, they they talked a lot about when they were making and hyping up Bioshock. They talked a lot about being a System Shock Two successor, spiritually. And most everyone who played System Shock Two was then disappointed that Bioshock was <laughs> not a System Shock Two successor in any spiritual yeah, way. Like it was still a good game, yeah, and everyone enjoyed it. But that element of it. Just, there was no System Shock 2 in that game. It's a lot more prevalent in Prey. Yeah, a lot of people, um, like the people who either played System Shock 2 when it came out or have since played it, um, have generally fallen in love with it. Um, the farthest I've ever gotten, and I'm pretty sure I was playing with you, is to the Psychic Monkeys. Hmm. Um, and then we just kept dying or uh, something destabilized in our connection. Uh, and we just never went back. That is entirely possible. I do not recall yeah, that. <laughs> it was interesting to play it multiplayer. Or maybe it was... Mm, I could have been playing it with somebody else, not you. Also Which would possible. explain the instability. <laughs> because usually we I are don't know. careful. I'm pretty in instable. Mm. Instable. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so without jumping into Bioshock or Prey, because I could talk about Prey for a long time too. It's a wonderful game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the, yeah, the unique element in System Shock 2 is that it's a dangerous world and you never feel like you're in control and you have to make very careful decisions with your resources. And I don't feel like that's something, especially in a first-person shooter, I don't think that that's something that's common at all. So that jumped out to me as something that's a unique challenge you have to learn from in that game. Okay. Um, hmm. Did you play this game exclusively alone or did you play with other people? I, I played through it alone first and then I played through it co-op with a, a few people because I'm always down to play System Shock 2 co-op. I, okay. I, it's, it is... Even to this day, I still enjoy it. Hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, cool, cool, cool. It's almost, it's almost 20 years old, and it's still great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, as, as we get older, many things will be 20, and then 30, <laughs> and then 40. <laughs> and then... Yeah, we're getting old, man. Yeah, I know. We're getting up there. Um, cool. Um, anything else you want to say about it? Um, I I, th I think I touched on most of the most of the stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I think that that crushed through the majority of my notes on it. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, so then. Um, you know what? Let's transition into the next section of our show because I don't have a lot to say about it. I haven't played too much of it. Uh, just got to the psychic monkey, which was endearing, and then I died. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess like contemporarily, pros and cons are it's still a great game, but it is dated. If you can't get into like hideous graphics, like yeah, dude, has anybody tried to do it in in uh, uh, Unreal? Try to remake it, or would that be? I think someone copyright. Someone's remaking the first one. Okay. Uh, which I think is great because the first one was not quite like it was in this awkward, awkward stage of kind of being a walking adventure game and kind of a first-person shooter. The controls were terrible. Like it's, it's borderline unplayable. It's just, ugh. and so some people have done things like try to re-rig the controls in, in System Shock 1 to make it more approachable, but then it's way too easy because the game yeah. was made easier because the controls were shite. <laughs> okay, so, yes. In true 90s fashion, uh, yeah, yeah that, that sometimes happens. So System Shock 1 is being redone in, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's Unity or, or the Unreal Engine, but... Okay. Um, um, I'd love to hmm. see 2 redone. Uh, there, it's just had the uh, community packs for... Um, textures and sounds and co-op and all that stuff yeah okay yeah pe oh, i think people me. wanted to do some remodeling i think a couple of a couple of things had been remodeled that you can probably get as well i don't yeah, i, I don't think they did everything very much it would be it'd be more approachable if it if it if it got remodeled because it is in the early era of 3d I, yeah like and it is not aging as well as maybe it could no like it's a step past what, alone in the dark or something like that so uh, things have more than one triangle 
for a leg. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but you can still, you know, really count the triangle. You can count the polys on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not quite Half-Life, um, but it's also not uh, GoldenEye for 64. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's between those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely a lot of fun. If you like spoopy things, pick it up. Give it a shake. <laughs> okay. That's I, great. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> um, cool. Are you good to transition into our next section, or do you mm-hmm. have any other parting words? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, our next section is what can you teach us? And this is the section of the show where we dive into... Uh, the numerous emails that we get from all of our uh, loving and devoted fans. So in this particular case, we got one big email from Greg. Uh, do you happen to have that open or did you want me to read it? Um, I do. I do have another article I was going to talk about too. Um, An article? Yeah, it was uh, sent to me as a as a Facebook message, not an email. Oh, okay. Uh, to um, you directly... <laughs> <laughs> instead of that's good mm-hmm. well that's how you get it so that's good yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah I mentioned this at the last time we did a recording and then someone wasn't had a baby boy had to go look after so we didn't go through this that is known as life Stu <laughs> life finds a way yes it does um, so it, it's just an article on uh, it. it's called playing games can build 21st century skills and research explains how. <laughs> Why didn't we bring this up in the uh, the start of it? <laughs> in the um, Learn This Month? Uh, because this was sent to me specifically by somebody. And it, this, uh, this way, it's it's almost an email, Chase. It's okay. almost, almost an email. Yeah. Is there, is there, are there statements and quantifiers in the email? No. Okay. No, Proceed. just uh, something to the effect of this might, hey, I thought you might find this interesting. Okay, cool. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm just wanted to touch on it briefly because it, it is about researchers who are trying to utilize games to make uh, classroom stuff work a little bit better. And uh, close to the end of the con- conclusion, they have uh, a couple good lines in there um, that I think do a good job. We'll, we'll throw the link in in case you do want to read it. Uh, it, it's I'd, yeah, I'd like it's to, a, yeah. I, I did go through. It. It's a good article. Um, okay, cool. But in short, games can kickstart learning, but students need to learn how to apply those skills to the analog world as well. Strategies like these may hold the key to building more resilient and adaptive players, both in class and in life. The goal is to think about games in the context of a broader ped- pedagogical model. Squire says it's never games or traditional activity. It's always about the interplay between them. So that yep. yeah, they 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 were. I don't know, think of it as in terms of bringing games into the uh, the classroom, kind of, but kind of making the games easier to relate. Like rather than just having math blasters where you're you're answering math questions, you know, in a game well, in a game format, yeah. it's a little bit more, you... yeah, training the 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 ways of thinking and the ways of problem solving in that game having those translate to the real world you nailed it the way that you described it the first time in that if like why why do we need to struggle 
learning math when there could theoretically be a way to make it fun and engaging yeah. in a game. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you can create a dynamic and engageable experience that conveys that knowledge in the same way that, um, like, say when you play pirates, you learn about the Caribbean and suddenly you just have a native understanding of uh, the geography of the Caribbean in that time period. Like you, you just need to figure out that secret spice, that secret formula that makes this stuff fun. Um, and, and makes people want to throw hours of their life into it. Because if you could make a game that teaches people math, but it's also fun, then I hope to hell somebody throws millions of dollars at you. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, like, um, because you would solve the problem of so many grade and high school teachers so quickly. Well, the, um, yeah, th this article deals, I think, more with uh, more abstract things, like not strictly like like well, like yeah, things that aren't about pedagogy. Taught. yeah it, it's it's they focus less on things like math and spelling and more uh like designing they said um some of the most successful games in the analysis were ones where students actually had to create something themselves design-based games um they they would get students thinking in the in their own way and being creative and being productive and like those kinds of things uh uh, students learn more or showed better improvement in skills like critical thinking when they created something during or after gameplay. Oh my God. That reminded me of Minecraft uh, yeah. trying to plot out buildings, right? Like how many squares is it going to take to lay the foundation for this building? Yeah. And then um, how many types of uh, different square? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's something that uh, we wouldn't necessarily always think of as this is technically it's a critical thinking issue that you're approaching um like we we wouldn't as gamers or as teachers or as designers we wouldn't necessarily think of that problem presented to the player as a creative and critical thinking exercise but it is yep good point good point uh, that sounds like a really good article yeah. um yeah i definitely want to check that one out Cool. Thanks for sharing, person who Facebooks do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Can. Uh, oh, it was Candace. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so next thing, uh, do you do you want to dive into Greg's email? <laughs> do I ever? Cool. Now it's been a while since I've read it because, yeah, because it's January that we got it yeah and it is now april yeah <laughs> yeah okay but it's big <sighs> yeah or do you do you want me to read it? oh it doesn't matter i'll i'll start you can interject whenever um, okay cool so this is from our our dear show friend greg who writes books uh to keep you up to date at least in the loop which is funny because i don't follow this at all or have any interest in it while Stu bought the game and hasn't looked at it uh he's uh, that's a sentence that's supposed to be introducing the fact that he's talking about Star Citizen. Yes, because the name of his email, email is Star Citizen. Oh, I don't have that in the thing that was forwarded to me. So oh, the name, yeah, the, okay. the email itself, the title is Star Citizen. Okay. I think a lot of the recent interest in it, uh, even from your Daikatana episode time frame, uh, was they, 
they released an open beta. You can actually get in your ship now and fly around, finish some quests, etc. At least in early beta, when you guys were talking about it, it was pretty much all player-based role-playing. Uh, the beta had missions against AI, but the AI was garbage, like bad for 10 years ago. They apparently upgraded it since in November or so, but everyone sort of dropped it come December, so I'm not sure how impressive the update ended up being. As far as the game itself, it seemed fairly interesting, but falls into an odd niche market I called Streamer RP MMO, which is that there's no set gameplay, just options, and the streamer communities come in to set up real-life storylines, which always, which seems to always end up being drug dealing. <laughs> I didn't know that Sounds about great. about streamer community RPs. Um, hmm. No, that's good to know. Uh, previous games and iterations of this are quite large. Arma 2 mods. Uh, there were several. Same with Arma 3 that I can speak to. Uh, the only one I recall is Altus Life. Moved on to Daisy, Rust, GTA 5, Arc, this beta... And now I'd say most have moved on to Atlas because it seems to have better mechanics to help the play style. That sounds like a dated email because I think 90% of people who moved to Atlas have since moved away from Atlas. That's hmm. my understanding. Okay. Yeah. Well, also, uh, it's it's interesting that Eve doesn't Eve online doesn't show up. Um, not that. Uh, I guess that it was hmm. it was another one of those games where you make your own fun. But uh, it did have a lot of other stuff in the back end, like years and years of stuff in the back yeah, end. Yeah, so, yeah. I think is that something that uh, would streamers jump onto Eve and and do role playing stuff? I have never looked. Okay, I have never looked. All I know is when we played, um, our good friend Charlie, one time <laughs> role played an interaction with someone and it started a war. Yeah. <laughs> Because they're just like, are you being real? <laughs> he kept role-playing, and then they declared war on us. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. there's. I guess there's just more acceptance for role-playing now. Yeah. Those people just did not appreciate his in-character moments. Oh, man. Um, boop, 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 boop. Uh, these these games, games seem to be quite popular for a time, but they have very limited popularity, mainly because left to their own devices, real players destroy their world seemingly always every rp server i've seen is turned into a constant warring system and basically evolves into a two-team fight there's no real option you're either team a or b or dead on site tends to go from sort of interesting interactions to small clan fights which ends up in combining into larger clans eventually resulting in the two warring factions until people get annoyed and stop with the server refresh or change game things start over usually with new rules to try to stop that, but it never seems to work. Um, yeah, kind of. I think, like, Darkfall Online always had, like, it was open PvP everywhere. Yeah. And I think a game launched, there would be, you would see that, a lot of smaller clans across the server. Um but because there was so much power in numbers, those you would end up in pretty significant alliances, and it it almost became a hassle to play because of that. Whereas I'm gonna again, I'm gonna bring up Eve Online. Yeah. Um, there were secure places in that game. Yeah. So like if you're in if you're in high sec versus low sec, so high security versus low security um, sectors, um, and. Eve is the only MMO that I can think of where you were where you can track the um, the ecosystem 
of corporations and alliances and the rise and fall of like those titans those big and small ones yeah. and and um there were actually like some pretty competitive ones like the of course the biggest one the most notorious one was goon swarm forever um but like there was russian space like you would never go into russian space <laughs> if you knew what was good for you um yeah. just all all these rules um that were never spoken but made perfect sense when you engaged with the game yeah. um and it was it was just interesting because it was actually like uh, um uh, one of the most realistic representations of political turmoil because Go- Goonswarm themselves got taken down from the inside yeah. uh, uh, like like somebody infiltrated I think we've talked about this before somebody infiltrated and just sold or like released a bunch of their uh, their yeah. stuff like just jettisoned it um and drained their bank and then like left all of their space stations to to wither and die. Um, and then everybody splintered off and started making different teams. So like when the largest organization in that game, um, lost all of its assets, people either left the game or like literally splintered into a bunch of different sub factions. And they were never, as far as I can recall, they were never able to reunify. And so then it's just like, the, the march of time continues and somebody else rises to be the top and other people rise to challenge them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what actually happens in star citizen or if it just flops. I don't know if you could say it flops because a bunch of money yeah, has already been made up, on that yeah, game. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, um, so that's fine for self-controlled servers, but when it's an ongoing MMO, I'd worried about the longevity of the game. It would take a lot of hand-holding and shoehorning to keep an MMO world from getting so out of control people just get pissed off and leave. In the end, I'm truly not sure if it's possible to do... It, it's... In the end, I'm truly not sure it's possible to people to do whatever they want in a game. There needs to be structure to at least form plausible and useful gameplay. The less I want to be a dick actions allowed, probably the better, because it seems to be an inherent issue with this game style. For the game itself, things seem okay. Stuff looks super cool, things seem to work, but the computer required to play still seems to be quite steep. Watching streamers with $10,000 sponsored computers seem to barely get a stable playable FPS, uh, and still the movement and such seem quite bad. For people used to Daisy, Armin, or Atlas, probably something they could deal with. It would really annoy regular game players, however. I feel it would be hard to go from a decently well-running, still pretty game like Elite Dangerous to this if performance stays the way it is, but I feel like they can really drop quality for speed eventually, even though that was a huge part of the selling factor in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I would say that they're not, like it's not something that's optimized at all. That's not, like that's not even close on their radar at this point. They may be done a couple optimization patches and they're also, they, they don't give a shit about appealing to most people. Yeah. I, like it would annoy regular gamers to have bad FPS. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't care. They've said from day one. Yeah. They, they don't care. They're making enough money. They don't need to sell a $40 copy of star citizen to somebody who has a potato. Like it's just not in the books for them. No, they're making the game for the people who've already bought it. Yeah. Um, and I like the couple of times that I've launched it, like my machine is, it's getting like old for it's one of the oldest things that I've had. Usually I've I would have updated my entire machine by now and I've let it mm-hmm. I've let it go because this 
past couple generations of AAA games just hasn't warranted hasn't really any upgrades. Yeah. Um, and I can still get 60 FPS on it. So if you have a $10,000 computer and you can't get 60 FPS, try a different video card. You know, maybe something <laughs> where the API is like working. Switch <laughs> brand for 10 seconds and try it. Sorry. Uh, anyways, as a, as a skeptic for this game from the start, I have to say there's at least something coming out of it. Uh, as far as how game-changing it will be, I don't know. For now, it seems to be like Ark or Daisy, but space setting. Single-player version is meant to be released this year at some point, so we'll see what happens there. But they honestly seem to be in s entirely separate projects at this point. Uh, even questions about separate engines entirely. Uh, we'll see how much money Stu wasted. Yeah, that's wow. fair. Um, mm. Since I was on the original Kickstarter, I spent very little money. It was... Yeah. It was uh, it was like a fairly sure thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and the well, the thing about single player and multiplayer being different, they kind of always were. Uh, the scope of the multiplayer thing kind of exploded and was really misunderstood right from the get go. It's kind of weird. Because um, that that's a conversation that he and I have had a couple times before where a lot of people think that they're building star citizen to be this huge mmo with like people flying everywhere and if you go back and look at the initial stuff that they said i think it was a much smaller scope than people read so kind of curious to see what actually happens but yeah this you know the single player was supposed <coughs> to be out a while ago that'll be neat to try if if somebody ever created uh neve online but with actual space flight, like actual uh, combat mechanics instead of the bullshit combat system that's in yeah. it. It functioned for a while. It was great for 2005, like, or 2006, seven, whenever it came yeah. out. Like, it was okay then. But, like, I want real, like, real physics, starfighter fighting. Right, like yeah. that. That is uh, so. Get, get me into that world, and I would, I would jump into an MMO like that again, one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll let you know when when the single player of this comes out. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. And uh, sounds good. I'll see uh, what I'll I think buy of my it. forty dollar, not sixty frames a second <laughs> version. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Cool. Um, cool. Well, I don't have too much to say about that. I mean, I already dived into my opinions uh, relating to uh, games like Eve. I'm surprised Greg doesn't talk more about it. Uh, do you know, have has he ever played it? I don't think so. Okay. Um, because that is, yeah, uh, Star Citizen, when you're talking about Star Citizen, one of the closest comparisons, um, if you want to talk MMO. Uh, and the types of potential would be Eve, but I, I don't think that it's going to be the same type of game, the way that you're describing it. Because Eve is like a completely player-run economy. There are NPC like uh, outposts and cities. There's a bunch of... Um, there's a bunch of quests that you can go down, but end game, it all happens in low sec, and it is literally all player v player yeah like that's what it is yeah. and it's it, it it can be just people being dicks like somebody flying a rifter 
with um, with the right equipment to just shut down your engines regardless of what uh, vehicle you're flying and then just ripping apart your ship and using you for salvage like like that is the type of world that exists outside of civilization and people seem to enjoy it like they're still playing it today unless uh, CCP shut down the servers I haven't really followed for a while uh, there hasn't been a lot of big news out of E for a while mm. but uh, I know CCP has had some trouble financially lately so yeah that's what i got sorry now i'm trying I'm, I'm so curious i'm trying to find out how much that pledge actually was <laughs> the fight the big one no 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 the the star citizen pledge Oh, right, right, right. Uh, the super pledge, the thousands and thousands the, of dollars yeah. pledge. Wasn't it $11,000? A lot. It's like something absurd. Yeah. It's an absurd amount of money. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to shift into the next section? I believe so. Okay, cool. So let's uh, let's talk about what, we, what we've been playing lately. So, Stu, do you want to talk about what you've been playing or you want me to get into what I've been playing? Um, mine's relatively simple because it's nothing super new, really. Um, okay. I've been doing a little bit of Stardew Valley. Ooh, nice. Very good. Um, co-op. Uh, a little yep. bit of oh. Deep Rock. More co-op. Nice. Yep. Uh, and like an hour or two of Satisfactory, which looks neat. Oh. Okay, it's, cool. Uh, it's like Factorio, but you're on the ground with everything. Um, hmm. And I've been contemplating getting Risk of Rain 2 because everyone said, people are good yeah, things. people saying good things. And yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of people playing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, not right now. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, anything big to say about any of those? Um, n- no, not really. I guess like Stardew would be a new one that I've been playing recently, but uh, it's been so sporadic and I've been jumping into other people's farms. Um, like being, uh, being so the, the farm. Yeah. Hand. Being the third or fourth person there and like seasons go by and then I'll log in again. Like they're, they're yeah. playing a shit ton. Like, yeah, I picked a parsnip and turned around and now they've got a million dollars in the bank. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. They learned how to plant berries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> plant berries to season uh cool yeah i i think i would have to to have anything to say about that game i think i would have to go through alone or at at least like be in control of a of a co-op farm and not have it float away on its own (laughs) yeah i am happy to talk to you about that game anytime uh we, we have already explored it on this podcast so yeah uh that is yeah if you ever actually get into it and you wanna talk about what you learned from it feel free yeah Okay, um, cool. So then, games I've been playing, uh, Langreiser, which is uh, my drug of choice on mobile right now. It is a turn-based strat um, with a lot more customization. I remember recently I said that uh, Fire Emblem Heroes was the best turn-based strat you could play on on the phone right now, but it has shifted. It has shifted to Langreiser. There's just a lot more customization. Um, teams are bigger. Uh, you get kitted out with soldiers. I think I said all this last time we talked, maybe, but um, I'm still playing it. 
I haven't thrown a lot of money at it at all. Uh, I've thrown, I think, maybe $5 at it total. Um, and there was just enough <coughs> going on in the game that I'm able to unlock stuff with uh, with the in-game currency. And it's been fine. I've uh, I've been able to engage with it. I'm by no means at the bleeding edge of the top of, uh, of any of the ladders, but... Uh, I do I do well and I'm enjoying it like it's uh, it's it's a fun type of game to play it's it's shock full of dailies like all of the <laughs> all of the garbage it's got the stamina system like it's got all that fucking bullshit um, and I'm still enjoying it like I just look past it because I don't care it's got gotcha mechanics as well if you want to get down to it but uh, the the core gameplay is still pretty good um, uh, so next up anthem already said my piece on anthem i don't think i need to go too much deeper into it uh monster hunter world we have discussed monster hunter world uh before i did uh i think the last time i talked about monster hunter world i did hit a wall i hit a i hit a monster that i couldn't beat um and it was just because i i'm not as familiar with uh rathian is it rathian no uh it's rathalos uh so the red one the red uh drake Oh man, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to come back, come back to that one. Uh, it's just because I, I don't move fast enough. I, I'm still using the warhorn, which means it's sort of like a sledgehammer that I can blow into the end of and, uh, and get a bunch of buffs. Um, and I have just got to figure out how that creature moves again because it has been a while. Um, and maybe I should up, upgrade some of my armor as well and get some anti-poison because when that thing hits you with the tail, uh, you, it's a bad you day. start dying quick. Yep, um, It's a bad day if he hits you at all, but uh, that's kind of the case for Monster Hunter. Yeah. If you're getting hit, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, other game I recently started playing, and by recently I mean very, very recently, is Minion, Minion Masters. This is an interesting one. Um, it's in early access. And it is not very complicated at all. It is um, RTS style. And what you do is you build decks. So you build um, you build decks of cards and use those cards to either cast spells or summon units onto the, the battlefield uh, in your arena. Um, there are two bridges on the board... Um, and the entire purpose of the game is just to get to the other side of the bridge and beat up your opponent's tower. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, so you have a tower, they have a tower. You can choose who's sitting on top of the tower and what kind of skills they, they have. Hmm. Um, and then you can design your own decks and you get to choose from like a bunch of available monsters and spells that exist. Um, means there's a lot of customization and a lot of options. Um, and it's also not hard. Uh, like it, games are fast paced or can be fast paced. I think my longest game so far was uh, almost ten minutes, um, mm. which. Uh, but it's it's RTS, um, and more specifically, once stuff is down, you don't control it. So it's very much it's it's sort of an idle kind of way of playing. You put things in a position, they move forward, and then they react on their own. Yeah. And the only way that you can influence how things are going is by casting a direct damage spell or by putting something else down nearby. So you control where the stuff gets placed. Um, and there's all types of things that you can put down. So you can actually put down um, 
turrets, so it, turning it into like a, a, a tower defense kind of situation, or you can put down um, creatures which you can't control, but which will go in a direction depending on where you put them down. Um, so there there are some mechanics and there are some tactics to it. Of course, also deck deck building is a big deal. Um, and it is also a gotcha game, Stu, your favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are gotcha mechanics in there trying to get you to spend money and buy stuff, but it also uses the smite formula where you can just pay money now to get a bunch of stuff unlocked and continue to get stuff unlocked over time. Oh, that's wonderful. Good yeah, job, it, you guys. It won't un- yeah, it won't unlock all the monsters, but you do also have the option to just pay money to unlock specific sets of monsters. Yeah. So that's there. Um, um, yeah, so I, I will see how much I keep playing it. It's engaging and just simple enough that I feel like I'm playing a game, but also I'm not trying too hard. <laughs> so if I continue to enjoy it, I'll pop, probably throw um, a little money at the unlock all of the, the dudes who stand on the tower thing, and then I'll just sort of play around with them and see who I like the best. Yeah. And while I'm doing that, I'll just continue unlocking the monsters, because I don't feel like I have to pay for them unless there's something that I see that I'm like, ooh, I really want that. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah that's what i got nice that's what i got so Stu, you want to bring this baby to a close i believe it's about that time yeah okay okay so um hey audience i just want to thank you for taking the time to listen uh we hope you've enjoyed yourselves Stu, do you have anything you want to plug this month before we close off um other than stuff that we talked about uh, maybe you too should scrub through the GDC vault and <laughs> yeah, and find some hidden gems in there. Yeah, there's hidden some really gems. good some, stuff yeah, in there. Some you just have wonderful. to find them. Yeah, and it, it, it could, they cover a, a pretty wide variety of different stuff. Like some of it is a little bit mechanical, like the best ways to use specific game engines, uh, and some of it is really approachable really interesting some of it's like breakdowns of old games and it's neat yeah yeah um i've invoked his name a few times so i'm just gonna say uh give uh give fred roja some love go and go and check out gaming history 101 and gaming history x uh his podcasts uh you, you can also just find him on uh on the internet if you go to uh gaming history 101.com I think it's GamingHistory101.com. I will confirm and put put links in the <laughs> show notes. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's also got a YouTube channel where he, he does some pretty good work yep. there. Um, but him and his co-hosts, uh, they're still pumping out podcasts. Definitely give them a listen if uh, if you're interested in older, <laughs> older games yeah, yeah. and uh, aging people talking about them. So, yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, I would like to thank Joe for our art. Thank you again, Mr. Joe Gottley. And uh, I would like to thank Dimitri for our music, which is still serving us so well. Um, if you want to know more about Learn From Gaming Podcast, just email us. We'll tell you about it. <laughs> we've got all kinds of social media stuff, yep. too. So we've got Facebook. We've got Twitter. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're on iTunes, we're on, uh, Google sound, so you can hear us any which way you want. And if you're hearing this now, then that means you've done it. Good job. Um, 
yeah, you did it. Otherwise, uh, I think we can probably sign off now. So thank you for joining us and tune back in soon. Cheerio. Cheerio.